Ruel Amundsen was the first to reach the South Pole on 14th of December 1911, but he was actually supposed to go to the North Pole. Welcome to the Two Thirds Focus podcast. I am Rasmus, and I'm a little bit confused. I am red, and I am in pain. <laughs> and I'm the nerd inventor, and I'm just tired as always. <laughs> Which I think is the best way to have both a Frenchman and a German. Tired and in pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, how... Because I think we all know that my week has been kind of extra interesting. Why don't yeah. you start, Jan? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, mine is the complete opposite. It's, it's been just a ton of work. Um, no, it's uh, the usual. It's been uh, the fun of being employed. Um, work is continuously picking up, which is a good thing. So I'm not complaining about it. It's just like I've been traveling a lot. I've been visiting customers and been pretty busy doing it. So not really uh, anything else I've been doing except like work. And uh, basically as in the opposite in the evenings, just... Uh, relaxing a little bit watching youtube and oh um one thing though i did was yesterday i watched the new dune movie oh oh you did yes uh i i went in ov with a good friend of mine and it is freaking fantastic i'm not gonna spoil anything of the story except the, maybe the small part that it is freaking multiple parts which i didn't know yeah i heard i heard that yeah. But would you say it's better than, was it David Lynch who made the one? I have not fully 70s, watched the David 80s? Lynch. And to be fair, like the David Lynch, I think is from um, 1884. So oh, basically okay. my age. <laughs> but um, the, the movie itself was fantastic. I really liked it. It, then is, it, then it sounds like it's better than the Lynch's version. Well, um, I heard about the Lynch version that it was rushed and that he regretted that. Uh, yeah. which I uh, cannot... I, I, I've actually seen it. Okay, Not because, very good. Okay. <laughs> um, the one now is more laid back, which I really enjoyed. It's more... It's it's not rushing from action scene to, to action scene. There's actually like story behind it. It gives you a breather. It gives you time to enjoy some of the shots they made from like the landscape and everything. So it was really enjoyable to watch. Mm. Nice. So that's what, like, I'm not going to touch on anything of the story, but um, uh, even, like, at the end, it left you with a... I liked it. Like, I just I really enjoyed the movie. And it's been a long time since I went to the movie theater. Like, this was, like, the first time in... Even before Corona. Uh, probably, yeah. like, the first time in two years that I went to the movies. Yeah. So wow. I really, that, really that, enjoyed that it. Sounds like a good one to start off with again. Yes, yeah. No, it was not just being in the movie theater. It was actually the movie. I was thoroughly enjoying it. Yeah, I think actually I have <clears throat> the books in pocket edition in mm -hmm. a box in the hallway over there. I never read them. I just kept them on the shelf because they looked cool. <laughs> and I got them from my dad at some point. And I just, yeah. they, like the spine is falling apart on a couple of them and things like that. But I, I probably should read them. Uh, but I mean, I just bought uh, Andy Weir's uh, newest book, uh, Project Hail Mary. Okay. So I'll be busy for a couple of days still. Okay, cool. 
Bah, we're not a movie podcast. So, Red, what was what were you doing? I already knew that they they were they will be going uh, for a part two for Dune because the the director told that he wanted to start the shooting in in twenty. 22 um so yeah oh, that's, that's that fuck don't tell me they haven't even started shooting it yet no not yet oh so that's how spiral that's a two that's multiple mean. part movie so i don't yeah. i don't want to wait like another two years for the you would have movie. to you would have to my friend uh, uh my week uh my week was going fine i i was uh done with the patterns i was working on last week and i had started two projects uh which is which one is a leather working project and the other one is a leather working project plus 3d printing so i started to print um some parts for it uh, and everything was going fine and then i uh sprained my ankle again the while same working on the patterns absolutely not uh while <laughs> while climbing on, on a really really small hill uh just to see a dog better so yeah <laughs> that's just it so when i went down the hill uh i i twisted my ankle i went straight to the doctor because it hurt like mm. really hurt uh and he said yeah well, it's it well it's bad uh you will have to wear a cast for 10 days and take pills for the pain and and just rest so it's a little bit better now uh, the first few days were terrible i had really mm. really trouble just walking in the house so yeah it was it was not good but um and just to throw that in for our american listeners when you, they say you have to take pills against the pain here in Europe, that's basically probably like ibuprofen. What you get yeah. in every supermarket in the US is yeah. basically here a description drug. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's not really strong stuff. It's just like yeah, what the thing do you take when you have a headache? Because that's basically what they give you for any kind of pain, uh, unless you are uh, really, really in a bad situation and you go to the hospital and they offer you uh, morphine. Uh, yeah, but you basically have to have like end stage cancer for that uh, not, <laughs> to, to not, receive that. <laughs> yeah, not especially, but but yeah, when they, they have now this policy uh, in the hospitals in France, which is really good because for many many years they didn't care about your pain. Now when you enter the ER, they ask you to evaluate your pain on a scale of from one to ten, and if you are above like seven. Um, they they offer you painkillers, but the strong stuff like uh, yeah morphine or that kind. Of, so it's a direct injection just to relieve the pain for uh, whilst you wait for the X-ray oh. or whatever. Um, mm. So yeah, uh, but no, it, it's like That's... really small uh, painkiller like yeah uh, aspirin, ibuprofen, and that yeah. kind of stuff. So. It just messes up with my stomach, but doesn't help a lot uh, for the pain. But it's 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 better now because yeah, with rest and 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 the cast, um, I can't twist my ankle uh, anymore or more. Uh, but yes, walking is is now uh, feasible. I can walk walk around the house, but I and I can I can drive. But anyway, working mm. on a big project and being in the shop is kind of difficult. Uh, so I'm going to have to take a few days off while the uh, 3D printing uh, machines are 
working for me so I can I can finish the project when it's all done. Do, do you want do, to talk about what kind of patterns you've been making and what you're 3D printing? Or is uh, that secret stuff? No, 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 it's not secret stuff. Uh, I'm, I was working on a quiver pattern, a leather wi- a quiver pattern inspired, inspired by the game Assassin's Creed Valhalla because Ooh, I... I think I, I've heard of that. It yeah. contains Vikings, right? Yeah, and it's a f- really, really great, well-made game uh, that I'm still playing right now. Uh, it it uh, went out last year, uh, oh, just before... October, I believe. Yeah, uh, October uh, last year. And I've played it all winter, took a break, and I'm back at it because I usually only play when it's cold outside. <laughs> um, and and I really wanted to make something uh, from the game, and the quiver was the, the best thing that I could think of because I have uh, arrows behind mm. me uh, with no quiver for them. So yeah, it was like practical and fun to do that kind of project. So there's one. I might have to kindly ask you for some quiver information because I also have arrows up okay. on the thing you can barely see there. That gray shape is yeah. a cabinet and okay. on top of that yeah. are a bundle of arrows. Yeah, we can we can talk about that we'll, later. We'll, yeah, we'll, we can, later. We later. Can, we can. <laughs> but just just to have a tangent inside a tangent inside a tangent or something like that. Uh, how far along are you in the game now? Uh... 120 hours or something like that. Oh, that's also rookie numbers. Finished it, but you finished the tutorial. That was Skyrim. <laughs> in Skyrim, with 120 hours, I was uh, done with the main quest and a lot of the uh, side quest as well. And it's what, what's surprising for me, to me, with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it's that I am not uh, half done with the game with okay. the same amount of time oh, wow. is, the map is so big it's basically england and you have to do mm. uh, plus norway and you have to do a lot of stuff uh so and it, ireland and paris and greenland or newfoundland i'm not exactly sure it's the vinland yeah but I, I don't have the dlc right now so i can't go to paris and kill oh. uh people from paris which i will do with pleasure so that's the next uh, next the your French, I think you will want to raid Paris as well. Absolutely, uh, I will. <laughs> I, I, I will do that for sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah, not not yet. But the, the game is is really really beautiful. Um, so much stuff to do, uh, and there is this discovery tour that you can also take and and just walk around with no fight and just show the country to your kid on and. Great stuff. Yeah, that um, came out recently, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, just came out a few days ago. I need to um, download it, uh, up, upgrade the game. And I've tried the two versions, the PS4 one, and the, I'm currently uh, playing on the PS5. And there is a very big difference in the graphism, and, and uh, so the game is really good. So I needed, I wanted and needed to, to have a um, Valhalla related project so that's one I approve. Uh, and <laughs> and the second one is the cosplay that i wanted to do for my uh, friend's daughter uh, mm. the one i talked about uh, two weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. doing doing a small video on on tiktok uh, you talked about her a couple of times i think yeah at so, some point you did yeah 
So I decided to not only do the harness that she needs for cosplay, but also the maneuver thingy that the characters in the anime wear uh, in the back. So it's a lot of 3D printed parts uh, glued together and attached to the harness um, for the cosplay. Mm. So it's going to be a, a just a little bit bigger project than um, I intended to do uh, in the first place. But that's very common with me. I start with a small <laughs> idea and yeah. make, make it big because I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> so yeah, that was my week. Um, sprained uncle, rest, video games and projects. What Sounds about you, Ratsmus? Because I know that you have traveled. Yeah, I just literally just came back from England. Uh, I walked in the door an hour ago just now. And in mm -hmm. the meantime, I've almost unpacked and got my computer laptop up again and and inhaled some form of dinner. <laughs> uh, nice. yeah. You're not oh, supposed to inhale your dinner, I believe. It's pasta carbonara. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. It, it. I mean, I can make a decent pasta carbonara, but I was rushing it and it got a little bit scrambled, the egg, egg uh, uh, parmigiano mixture. Uh -huh. So, mm, I mean not it's it's a quick and easy meal that's that's my point but yeah i i spent literally the last week in england at attending james and naomi's wedding yeah congratulations Yay, congratulations yeah i mean I, I i i don't have many weddings to compare it to but this is a fantastic one nice they, I mean, they they, are, they appeal to my scout sensibilities by having campfires and teepees oh, and yeah. having it outdoors and a dance floor. Although we need to talk about the British and how they are not able to dance. <laughs> Wait, okay. Least, I mean, they, they do this jumping and wiggling thing on the dance floor and it's like, well, yeah, I see you're moving and I see there's music and occasionally the two things matches up. Uh, but like... Swing dancing? No. <laughs> I, although although I, I know they have this Morris dance that is some kind of traditional English dance that might be a little bit swing related, but I know too little about it. Okay. Uh, but but yeah, the sort of joking aside, uh, I actually got a chance to dance a little bit with Naomi and Janie. Naomi, who got married, and Janie, uh, the wife of Dan, who I ended up staying with for a couple of days after the wedding. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I flew in on Friday, and despite all the corona things, it was like no problems at all going out. I mean, I had to take the test a couple of days beforehand. I need to prove that I've taken the test, and I need to fill out a form to enter England. Uh -huh. uh, and like some bureaucracy things that made sure that everything took a little bit longer. But as yeah. soon as I landed in, in London, it was like, nope, you're free. Just go out and have fun. Which is... <laughs> Good and kind of worrying in the same time. Uh, yes, I agree to both things. Uh, it, it was I expected a lot more just because of the whole Corona thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, I think they announced that they would change travel restrictions and a few other things uh, mm. on the fourth of October. So, I mean, it doesn't make sense that they would announce a change and the change would already be implemented at the airport. That doesn't make sense to me. But, yeah. I mean, I, I I come from Norway and fully vaccinated, and that being one of the things that England actually allows fairly easily. Mm -hmm. So Probably I more mean, issues going back. Uh, 
let's talk about that afterwards. In, in, in a bit. Uh, I just try to mentally move through the whole weekend or week. So flew out on fr- Friday. Uh, Andy Pugh and Jamie Reader picked me up at the airport. The wizard the himself. Yes, the wizard oh, himself. He was jealous. even driving, and he sent his uh, his Andy Pugh, his attaché, <laughs> out to fetch me because oh, because this this is the funny thing. Uh, there's a there probably be a few of these as we go along, but uh, so going through security in Oslo, I have to take off my belt and like the metal bracelet I wear and the Mjolnir I have and keys and phones and all of that, and also my belt because there's a metal buckler on it. So I bought this belt in Japan when I was there six years ago. And I know it's been like a little bit things I needed to fix on it every once in a while. But this time you do the usual thing. You unbuckle it and you yank on it to pull it free. Yeah. Except I only pulled the buckle free and the rest of the belt stayed in. Oh. Oh. So I, yeah, so that I, I have the pieces. I'm going to fix it. The belt is long enough. I've been using it on the narrowest or innermost hole for a while uh-huh. so i can i can sacrifice a couple of centimeters and make the buckle on you or fasten the buckle on you uh so i was basically sitting outside the airport gatwick airport fiddling with carabiner cr- uh, hooks and my belt and whatever tools i had in my backpack to try to repair the belt when andy Pugh just shouts and waves at me across the, <laughs> the roads i was like oh right shit I, yeah i'm supposed to be going and meeting people <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we immediately went back to the hotel, had, had a couple of beers, had, uh, I had dinner, uh, because the other ones had eaten, like sensible human beings. Uh, and on Saturday we went to the church, and we had, like, there was a ceremony, then we went over to James's mom's place, where they had, where his workshop is. So we, we got a proper workshop tour. Nice. Of a very, very drunk James. Oh. Yeah, he fired up the Heidelberg press and he made it go really fast and really slow and we listened nice. to the sound of it and was like, ooh, yes. <laughs> and we saw his anvils and his new blacksmith tools and like all of the madness. That's cool. Uh, but he had put up like tents and teepee, uh, teepees out in the yard uh-huh. and they had uh, fire pits going after a while and like... It's like really nice, rustic. If you've been to the Scouts, there's been a lot of outdoorsy, rustic things. You can probably picture this. Mm-hmm. Exactly my kind of wedding. And like the previous wedding I went to was wedding in India, which had a, a small wedding in India, which consisted of a thousand people. Wow. Which is... Uh, and, and when you're the, like the only Westerners there, you're then an, it's a bit... An attraction. Yeah, you, you, you end up feeling like you're in a zoo, except on the inside of the cage, not outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't all that bad there, but you get that slight undertone of it. Um, of course, this time I was wearing my national costume, the Bunad. So I was hoping there would be <laughs> some other people who were wearing something really interesting. And there was one guy who wore a kilt and he did not speak with a Scottish accent. And I'm very disappointed. <laughs> Uh, but, but actually, I, I, he, his name is Sam, and we met him, or at least I met him briefly, very briefly, on at Maker Central last. Mm-hmm. So I had one of those moments where I hear him talking, introducing himself, and I go like, hold on a second, something with that voice. How long have you known James? I was like, oh, right, he, is, he was at Maker Central. He recognized most of us, but we were idiots because we haven't met him and talked that much to him. So that was really nice. 
but yes, they, they, they don't really know how to dance. But, I mean, there's plenty of alcohol. So, wiggling happened on the dance floor anyway. What about the food? I'm French, I need to know about the food. Was it good? Yes. Uh, yes. Do I mean, you even I remember ate... what you ate? It was lamb things. Okay. And then potato things. Okay. And some couscous things. Okay. And a whole lot of other things. Okay. I ate a lot of it, but <laughs> as I said, there was alcohol involved. <laughs> I just want to say, did I mention there was beer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, 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 uh, uh, James has his own little microbrewery going on. So he has made a lot of beer and he had made some mead and they had brought cases and cases of wine. So like, like the maker bunch of us, we were seated with the rest of the rowdy bunch, which means all of Naomi's and James's doctor friends. <laughs> so there were all of the doctors at one end of the table and there was all of the makers and scruffy looking people at the one end, <laughs> other end of the table and I think I think we were very much in sync at loudness and drunkenness nice. although I think a few of the doctors outdid themselves when it comes to the drinking at least James got absolutely knackered uh, and and I, you might have seen As this he on, should. Did, did you see on Instagram that uh, Dan and uh, Billiam had made the, uh, this goose wing hewing axe, or it's not a hewing axe, it's uh, for knocking bark off. Yes. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So they had, they had, Dan had fitted the handle, Billiam had made the sheath and decorated it. Yeah, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's, it's, it's amazing looking. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a wall hanger, so it's not been sharpened or done anything with the head of it, but the sheath is absolutely glorious. Yeah. Uh, but of course Dan decided in his infinite wisdom to hand this axe over to James when he is drunk which is always a good idea to give really good drunk people and a of weapon. course Al in his even more infinite wisdoms see what's going on and immediately grabs a chopping block and a piece of wood and just places it next to drunk James without him noticing so he's just opening this up and being completely awestruck and then he turns around and suddenly there's a stump with a piece of wood on it and he just swings at it and he ends up burying the the hewing axe so deep into the stump that it took him a a half an hour the next day to get the hewing axe out again Oh, yeah, yeah, no, he went <laughs> at it. So there's a couple of pictures I'll probably sh- pop up on his Instagram later on. Yes, please. Of, of, <laughs> yep, of we him see and Naomi sort of standing there, pretend struggling to get the axe out of the stump. That's great. Oh, it's, yeah, that's uh, probably one of the highlights, like sort of next to the workshop tour and the Heidelberg press running. Uh, but yeah, ab- absolutely fantastic stuff. Okay, that's good. So it was a great weekend, great uh, wedding. Oh, yeah, yeah. But after that, you did also stay a little bit in in England, right? Yeah, I I had gently prodded uh, Dan of Wonky Workshop uh, a little bit beforehand and asked if it would be possible to come and stay with him for a wee bit. Uh, And he said, yes, of course, uh, I have Monday off and I'm going to actually look at uh, some tools that an old lady phoned about that her dad had, her dad who recently passed away, left behind. Mm -hmm. So we... And, and of course, he also surprised me completely by also scheduling up a really secret thing. And we went to a cider brandy distillery and a, oh. a, a cider maker and a cider brandy distillery. Same location. 
which means I, of course, immediately filled up my quota for alcohol coming back again. <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, we, we went out, had a look at the tools, lots of wood carving tools, fun stuff. Not super, super exciting stuff, but, you know, it's it's interesting to have a peek into someone's workshop. And this old guy, he had been a sign maker. So he had been hand carving a lot of signs for people. Mm-hmm. So he had all of his chisels for all of that, and there was piles of signs that were not done or almost done and things like that. So really interesting to go in there and then Dan having a chat with her about like what she wanted to do with all the tools and discussing the price and then finding this really nice, cool uh, trunk suitcase with mm-hmm. like the brass details on all the corners and all that. Oh, nice. Yes. And so he just, can I, can I take the suitcase as well? Because I need something to put all of the tools in. <laughs> and, of course. and of course he did. Yeah. And so he just shuffled everything like he fancied into that and we carried it off and he paid her and yeah, good times. Okay, cool. Uh, but then, then we went um, back to the village next door to his, I don't recall the name of it, Isle something or other. In, in Somerset, that is. And so in the neighboring village, some family had recently bought a house with a barn and a couple of other things. And at the back of the main house, there was an old forge, which is where actually, as far as I understood the story, a fairly big and renowned mechanics company in the UK was founded mm-hmm. in this blacksmith shop. Okay. Oh, wow. So they had basically mm-hmm. just cleaned out all of the storage junk that was left behind there and swept the floor for three hours to find like the cobbles and cornerstones that was left behind underneath it. So we, we got to, I was, I was super thrilled to see like an old forge and blacksmith stuff and all of the cool things uh, and just poke around and look at things. And he didn't know anything. So we filled it in on some and uh, like sent in the info of Alex Pohl and all of all of the usual suspects over there. Mm. Um, that was right him. after you picked your stuff and rented a container for overseas, right? <laughs> no, sadly, there was not much left. Or, I mean, the things that were left was clearly supposed to be there. There was one animal okay. left and it didn't have a stump on it. Although that animal was massive. I would not be surprised if that animal was like 150, 180 kilos. Oh, wow. Yeah, big one. Yeah, like London pattern single horn anvil with a shelf yeah. on it. Uh, just massive. <laughs> I have one that's 60 kilo in, in the forge here. And this was like nearly twice in every dimension, it feels like. Okay. Yeah, and then we went to the branded distillery thing. We had lunch up on the hill and nearly blew away because Britain was being very British. Like windy um, and rainy? No, just really windy. I mean, yeah. that kind of wind where you're sitting and you're leaning into the wind and not blowing oh, okay. off the seat. Yeah. Great fun. Great fun. <laughs> and walking through the apple orchards and just having a stroll and chatting. and Yeah, good stuff. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. And then that was Monday. Tuesday, I had mostly for myself. Uh, I was I was fiddling with uh, Dan's pillar drill because it didn't lower and raise the table properly. So I dismantled things. He sanded to column itself and we got it working again more or less uh and i did my usual office things because i've been neglecting that for a while had some 30 emails to go through and then today i got up early and have spent the last 12 hours traveling back home nice oh and of course the madness of making my flight i guess is the 
next funny story. Yeah, because you managed to to take it, and although you had very little time to catch it between the coach and the and 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 the flight, right? Yeah. So under ideal circumstances, I would have two hours from getting to Hammersmith in London uh, before takeoff. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, in normal circumstances, that should be enough time without having to stress about it, but it doesn't give you much leeway. So, of course, my leeway got eaten up by the coach being 20 minutes late uh-huh. and then hitting traffic on the way there. Uh-huh. So, this is, so, this is me then. As soon as the coach stops at the bus station, I jump out, run out, I open the luggage compartment myself, grab my bag, and I run for it. <laughs> Through the Vikings uh, th- in England, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> through the station, the down, coaches. <laughs> <laughs> down the escalators, and like come to screeching halt in front of the ticket machine. I was like, uh, I need a ticket to go somewhere, airport. Like, yes, that one. And then I bolt off and I talk to the guys who's there, and like, I need this, and I'm in a hurry. And the guy just Open the side gate here, down here, in in here, down the stairs, and far away. <laughs> like yes, nice. sir, and I run for it, <laughs> and like I, I come to the bottom, and it's like one minute before the train gets there, and I jump on, and I get to the airport. The train ride takes like thirty minutes, nearly forty minutes. So I'm like sitting at the edge of my seat at the whole train ride, <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> And the, looking at the clock, checking the website for the, for the Heathrow and saying, okay, long long haul flights, you need to be an hour beforehand. That's when they check the closest luggage check-in. But for short haul flights, it's 45 minutes. I was looking at the time and looking at when we expect to be there. It's like, that's a close call. <laughs> Especially Heathrow where they're like, yep, welcome to Heathrow. You are on the opposite part of the airport. It's your gate. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the, the, the gate was fine, actually. But the luggage check-in part was at the opposite end of the train station at the terminal. Obviously. So I take my backpack, which, of course, I also bought stuff when I was over there. So it's more heavy than when I got into England and already carried too much going into England. So I have, yeah, like Dan, uh, this is important because Dan is awesome. Not because he only hosted me and gave me food, which is really nice of him. (laughs) But he's also started a new company, uh, a self-employed thing called Bevel. And I need to double check what the Instagram thing is. But if you go to Wonky Workshop... I am sure he'll appreciate a follow there at yeah. least, and he'd probably have linked to his bevel page where he makes wooden plates. Beautiful and wooden plates. Yes. Is the so I bought a set of six it. and a couple of pinch oh, pots. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, you did well. You did well. And and uh, because oak is stupidly heavy, I ended up carrying more weight going back home than when I went to the England, sure. the England countries, uh, yeah. England, uh, because when I went there, I also I brought my uncle's juice, apple juice, because Jamie already has my grandfather's yeast, which is a completely different story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I brought the, the 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 gift to him, which was uh, a three piece uh, knife set, a kitchen knife set. And I brought and I bought a whole lot of chocolate at the airport and a bottle of Akivit. Which might have contributed to all of the doctor's madness, but we'll, we'll ignore that for now because then I seem innocent. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so, yeah, my background was really heavy and I see the clock and I was like, okay, the check-in closes in a minute. I have no idea where I'm supposed to go, but I know I need to run. 
So I run up all the stairs and I come to another screeching hole in front of uh, in front of the billboards trying to figure out, okay, where's my flight? Okay, it's at the top of the list, which is a bad sign. Uh, and then, okay, I need to go to the checking area. G, fucking hell. Okay, let's leg it. So I'm running with a big backpack and uh. I'm weaving in between people, jumping over a luggage trolley with the backpack, nearly stumbles on my face. <laughs> Catches myself, keep running, comes a screeching halt in front of a lady, and she was like, what the hell is going on? And I, out of breath, completely out of breath, just managed to gasp out Oslo, sort of now. And she's like, right, come here, I'll help you. And she weaves me in front of all of the queues and straight into a, 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 a desk, and the woman there just looks at me with equally big eyes and like, oh, you're late. I was like... I know. I'm really stressed out. Can you help? As she watchful and hands him a password, and she's like, "Oh, right. Okay, it's closed now. I'll phone them up. And I'll see what I can do." Wow. And she does, and it, and she talks a little bit them for a few seconds. I was like, then she winks at me, because I couldn't hear anything between the masks and me, my own breathing and stuff. So she just winks at me. I was like, "Okay, something got sorted out." So nice. my overstuffed backpack, which probably was weighs way too much to be normal luggage, just got shipped through. I got told I need to go to A18 and no shopping. <laughs> yes, sir, ma'am. I'll, I'll, I'll manage that. So I go to the security. I go to strip off all of the things. No belt this time because it broke. <laughs> Tosses everything into a bin. Oh, yeah. I didn't even... I didn't even did, I, like, I would have wanted to take my camera out of the bag. And things like that but my camera was left in the side pocket of my backpack so it's like as it goes down i was like never mind yeah, i'll yeah. have to wish and pray and hope and all that um so go to tsa hand over all my stuff dump my jacket and i just rush through and then i see the big line of boxes standing there and i was like oh fucking a okay i'll, I'll wait then and see everything coming out one at another and i'm like really eager to get mine so i can just move to the gate and collapse in a seat over there and but mine comes out of the x-ray machines and it got kicked over to the inspection side i was like ah no, no, I need that stuff. <laughs> so I walk over to them and ask, I, I, I'm in deep trouble. I am late for my flight. My thing got kicked over. And he, and he dies. Yeah, yeah. Talk to those guys. They'll, they'll help you out. And like, you go over to those TSA guy who's just standing on guard, basically, relaxing yeah. at the desk. And he didn't want to move at all. And he's nah. like really really like slowly and sort of deliberately showing that he didn't want to do this now <laughs> oh yeah he stumbles over he points at the boxes like this one uh this one no uh, this one yeah okay and he takes it and scans it and talks to the lady behind i was like oh yeah you have a screwdriver in your jacket pocket uh, i was like i do what <laughs> what, what? Oh, fuck. Yeah, I I probably stole that from Dan when I was fixing his pillar drill. <laughs> and he was like, okay, I take that out. I'm, I, I apologize. I, I say I'm super stressed. I'm late for my flight. And he just, okay. He tosses it. Another guy comes over, swabs everything, tosses it into the machine. It goes, bring. And I hear, yes, you're good. And I grab all of my stuff and I start running again. <laughs> 
Rasmus, you're, you're, you're laughing, but I'm just thinking about probably like 120 people on that plane waiting when it finally is going to leave the gate. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Because no, no. it's just like one idiot that's not on the plane yet. As a former frequent flyer, I can tell you. <laughs> no, no. So, so here, here's the good thing. So where I get to the gate mm -hmm. and it's not started boarding yet. Oh, oh okay. yeah, good thing. Oh, then, then yeah. you were not late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was late on every single step because, like, I hassled the security guys and I got through check security fairly quickly. I and the gate was really close. There was no worries. Okay, as soon as I was part security. Let's put it a different way. For European standard, you were late. Yes. For some other places in the world, like you were no, if like if they're not actually pu starting pushing back the plane, you, you're, you're not late. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't all the way there yet. Yeah. Uh, the thing that is amazing to me is that all the people during your uh, rush to the gate were helping you. Yes. And the only one with a, just a tiny bit of power, mm -hmm. the guy in charge of checking your luggage after the X-ray machine took his time like deliberately from what I understood. I mean, I, yeah. Uh, he, he had that whole reluctance of moving and that I interrupted his very important nap or something. Yeah, so that, yeah, but so when it, people have just a tiny bit of power, they can overuse it and abuse it and just to not please people that are no, already it, it, in deep trouble because they are late for the flight. I mean, he still did his job and he still helped me out. He was. He didn't hurry and help you no, by no, just. No, by all means. But then again, I. I couldn't ask for more. Yeah, sure. I would have skipped the queue. There was like six, seven other boxes in front of me that was supposed to be inspected. There was other people standing around me that was oh, okay. waiting on him. So, so yeah, you skipped the line. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah I skipped everything. <laughs> okay, my bad. I didn't understand yeah. that. So yeah, probably a reason why he was not super happy to move his bed. Yeah, uh, okay, uh, yeah. Well, nah. I mean, he, as I said, he was chatting with his mates. He wasn't doing, as far as I could tell, anything important. And no, he was for, the one for who him he was. For, And, and he was the one who got eye contact with me and who moved immediately when I asked for help. So, I mean, it was just reluctance to do something, but it did his job. I'm not okay, complaining okay. at all. Uh, but but I see your point, though. Like, uh, people in power might like to flounder and abuse that. Just yeah. to show that they have it and can. <laughs> Absolutely. That was my point. And you, you said it beautifully. Because that's uh, mainly the experience that I have here with people of power quote-unquote like cops and and people yeah, in French airports people with power. yeah and my point is that <laughs> if you have taken your flight from Paris you I wouldn't be talking to you right now because you wouldn't have made it to be honest uh, oh, all yeah. the people helping you along the way to go through the gate and and security and all that stuff uh, you can you don't count on people to help you in Paris maybe you will if you are very lucky um, But most of the time, or sexy like me, yeah, yeah. But most of the time, <laughs> it's like no, it's the rules. We have to check all the other people, so you're gonna wait because even if you're late, we are not gonna help you. Yeah, that kind of stuff, which yeah. I hate because you should be able to adapt to the situation. And if someone is very late to the for the flight, it's not because he was lazy or just didn't put the alarm clock at the right hour. 
maybe something happened on the road and maybe some trouble uh, occurred and and that's why this person is late so you should be able to help him and understand that yeah he's late and he will be in deep trouble if he misses the flight so just do an effort and help him use the power that you have to ease the situation and not make it even worse so yeah i'm just and a friend sorry yeah. no and and i mean i was even lucky when i got to oslo uh, i took the train from the airport <laughs> to oslo and i mean I, I haven't eaten in x number of well I, I ate on the flight because they handed out crisps and water and i asked for seconds because i'm that kind of person <laughs> uh, but i hadn't really eaten properly so i i, I mean I get off the train at the same time as but the bus I was supposed to catch was leaving. So I was like, okay, I mean, for once, I'm not in a hurry at all. So I walk to the shop, I buy myself a hot dog, then I go down and I figured, oh, all the benches inside are taken. Okay, I'll just sit outside. It's, it's, I mean, it's nearly October in Oslo, but it's not winter yet. So I sit down outside and like the bus I'm supposed to take is still standing in front of me. And I was like eating my hot dog and going, wait a second. <laughs> And they hit the guy fire up the, the bus, and I was like, "Wait!" Hold on. As I walk over and I talk to him, it's like, "Are you leaving to?" Because there's like f four different buses that goes that same route at that time of day, and only a few of them stop exactly where I needed to. Uh -huh. So I asked him, "Are you going to this place to listen this specific place now?" He's like, "Well, in ten seconds." <laughs> I said, "Here's my ticket. Can you open the back door so I can get my backpack in?" That's so a like, great answer from a driver. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. In ten seconds, you have time so, I mean, to eat your thing. Yeah, <laughs> and everything just worked out today. That's which great. is amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. it is. Sorry, that that's my day, and that's. The entirety of the podcast yeah, probably <laughs> so thank you for listening guys and see you next week exactly you, you do you want to save the topic do you want to talk more about travel stings and experiences or do you want to do you want to save the topic yeah we, we can we can probably save things? the topic for another day yeah. and 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 keep talking about travel because um i had one bad experience uh, i mean uh, i as you know guys and and people listening uh to this or probably already know uh, i've lived in japan for 10 years so every year or so um at least once or twice i had to uh, come back to france to see the family and visit the friends and all that stuff and sort of coming home waving and saying yes i live yeah and then going yeah. back again and going back again exactly. <laughs> and that's where your hate for the french comes from <laughs> don't get me um, not entirely not entirely i i i i mean i i like my country uh, because it's a beautiful country and we have great stuff here like food and healthcare and other great stuff uh, but people are tending to get angrier and angrier every year yeah. and and it's uh, even more obvious now after the lockdown that we had uh, and they can't drive uh, or dance for that matter because they, in that case they will be just like our um, friends from uk just moving trying to keep the rhythm mm -hmm. of the music at the wedding uh but anyway um i had to travel a lot uh and most of the time it was great it was pretty easy and people were helping you and that one or two times uh i had trouble with the security um and and people because they are on uh, have a little bit of power or um are in charge of something tend to abuse it and 
one one story is that uh, I took the flight from Tokyo to go back to France and I had to stop uh, in Switzerland for a quick break of one hour, just change, change the plane. Uh, and I was carrying a Zippo, a lighter on me. And that was fine by the Japanese security standard. That was absolutely fine. But when I arrived uh, in Switzerland, I had to go through the security again. And the guy over there not told good. me, nope, nope, you're not getting on the plane with a Zippo. Exactly. You can throw the inner hmm. part out and keep the shell. But that's and about that's it. And I, I had to do that. Yeah, and that's that's what I've uh, for it happened a few years ago, and uh, since it happened, I was like, but why didn't I think of so throwing uh, away the stone and all the stuff inside and just keep the outside because that's what's important in in the, that's the expensive part. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, and plus it was a, a souvenir from a sp specific place in Japan. I went once. So, anyway. Oh, um, you threw I, away I the whole lighter? I had to because the guy was, oh, um, okay, no. so you throw you throw it away or we keep it and we can can uh, have it back when you take the flight back to Japan. <laughs> and I, I, I knew I wouldn't uh, see this lighter ever again, but I wanted mm. to make him lose his time. So mm. I went, okay, we're going to, go this route um, you're gonna keep it uh, so I uh, filled all the forms and it's probably still waiting for me at the airport uh, now many years later uh, it's in one of the showcases pay... of stuff not to bring on board <laughs> it's still displayed <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no I had to I had to pay uh, for for them to keep it and and I should be uh, I should have been able to take it have it back when I uh, flew back to Japan but unfortunately, the route was different, so I didn't stop in Switzerland uh, when I get back and, and, and never got it back. So that, that, that's one of the kind of things that I don't really like because the, it was one specific guy. When I went through security, there was a few ladies smiling, super happy, doing their job properly. Uh, and all was good and right until that guy popped up and, and, and saw my face and decided that I'm gonna screw this guy over because I don't mm. like his face, um, and it was so obvious that I was like, oh, okay. And the other thing with uh, customs. So if you are listening to this podcast and you are working for any country custom, please be kind with people because we are traveling tired, stressed out because people, some people hate flying. So just be kind when you are. Uh, asking stuff to people. Um, the other quick story I wanted to tell is what um, I took my wife after, just after the wedding. Uh, we went to Japan for our honeymoon, so we went uh, over there for about uh, one week. Wonderful hotels, uh, super. Have you seen uh, Have you seen the guy uh, the the movie uh, Lost in Translation? Mm, uh, oh, no. if I see it with, with Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray, it's been it's way too long. Movie. Yeah, it's uh, but it's been way too long since I've seen it. it it's it's a great movie, uh, first real movie of Scarlett Johansson, and Bill Murray is Bill Murray, so it's a fantastic uh, uh, one. Um, and they are staying at, at least the, the the Scarlett Johansson is staying at a hotel with is with her um, husband. They just married in the movie. Um, and we oh, uh, yeah. had a room in the same hotel, uh, which oh. is a big uh, tower in the middle of Tokyo, three towers, in fact. And uh, on the, the, the top part of these three towers, which are linked together, 
uh, is the hotel with restaurants and bar. And on the top floor, on the third one, there is a pool. That, that's the one that's close to Shibuya, right? Uh, the Shibuya crossing. Uh, no, it's in Shinjuku. <clears throat> but um, yeah, and Shibu Shinjuku and Shibuya are not too far away. It's you can do it walking in okay. thirty minutes or so. Mm -hmm. So that that's not too far away. But it's a very very iconic uh, hotel in in Tokyo. Wonderful thing. So yeah, we went there for one week, and when we came back to France, um, I took uh, the two suitcases, the luggage, and go through the French custom. No problem. And my wife was just behind me, like 10 meters behind me with her luggage. Uh, and of course, young, pretty girl, the guy at the custom told her to come here and to get an inspection. So first question, where are you coming from? Japan. Why were you there for my honeymoon? Your honeymoon? Where is your husband? He's here. So I turned around, look at the guy, and he said, okay, you're clear, you can go. So that's the kind of hmm. abuse of power that you can have here, especially if you are a woman. So just just be careful. Yeah, that, that could have been creepy. It was creepy. And, and if I haven't been a little bit uh, taller than the guy, it, maybe it could have been worse. Uh, I don't know. I, that's the kind of situation I really don't like because people just abuse the power they have, and especially towards uh, women to impress them or to whatever they want to do with that. Uh, and I, I fucking hate that kind of guy. Mm. So if you are one of them, just fuck you. <laughs> Second uh, rant. And sorry, guys. <laughs> no problem at all. <laughs> I needed to get out of my chest because it's been it's been 15 years, and I I've never it's told the story to anyone. I believe so, slowly yeah. boiling away. Uh, about time. Absolutely. Yeah. Travel stories. How much time do you guys have? I lived in the US for four and a half years. You, you as a like service you had a few. Oh, I I worked as a service technician for four and a half years. I had four to six flights a week. For four years. Oh, that's so much. <laughs> if if oh, you want to hear some stories, I can give you some stories. Have you, have you been checked with uh, by by custom guys uh, asking uh, if you were married or something? Uh, <laughs> let let me put it that way. If you start traveling for a company with a toolbox, and because you are traveling the whole world, uh, the whole week, you're only traveling with one way tickets, with a big blue mm. toolbox. You don't, even, you don't even know how often you are randomly selected for TSA <laughs> check. Are, are you randomly searched as well? Randomly searched, like for the first half year until I had status. Because every time you they print your ticket and you see it, and like most of the airlines, they have like three little X's on top of it. Like yeah. after, it took me only a month to figure that out. And they would print the tickets and I would pick it up and just lift it up at TSA. I'm a winner. I'm a winner. And they were like, how did you know? I'm like, well, the X is on top. It's like, oh, that isn't the first time for you. It's like, no, it's like every single damn week. Because no. I had an American passport because I'm dual citizen. Um, but there were like no stamps in it. Uh, the heavy German accent. Oh, uh, yeah. One-way tickets, blue toolbox yeah. in the back. <laughs> they yeah. were chasing people. Well, sir, you get selected for a random search, like random my ass. Let's get it over oh, with. Oh, damn no, it. Not the beard, not at that, at that point, no. But hmm. um, the second I got my status, it all went away. But yeah. So, so, 
sorry for interrupting. Was that on every uh, company or just one specific that you had to take all the time? No, no, every every single one. Every, every single, single one, yeah, every every airline, single yes, every yes. single airline, one way ticket, no status, basically. Um, it, uh, it, it, I'm pretty sure it wasn't even because of my accent. It was just because they see it was like a newly made passport at the time. Like the passport mm-hmm. was not even a year old. Um, okay. And then yeah. you got like one way ticket, like it, it, it reeks of suspicion, basically. Yeah, because in the movies, that's what the guy do. He's a brand new passport with one-way tickets oh, around I, the I world to just implant virus in cities. And I made a joke to a colleague of mine. It's like, wait till I take the towel from the hotel and wrap it around my head before going to TSA. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. It's <laughs> no. going to put you in big <laughs> troubles. For trouble. <laughs> also, yeah. but what never started, like one of the, um, this is like one of the negative points about TSA. Like I had a lot of really positive um, experiences with TSA over in the U.S., um yeah. most of them they just do their job they're really friendly and they're just people yeah. like everyone else one thing i always hated was because i was traveling with the toolbox they would constantly open up the toolbox like i would have the, the tsa lock in front of it for mm-hmm. them it was like a pelican case so they could open it but they would always like i sorted my tools in a specific way like measuring devices because i was working on laser cutting machines um there were like of course the allen wrenches hammer like all the usual stuff you have but a lot of specialized tools that were packed away in a certain way like really neatly to have i like to open up my toolbox reach in there and know which tool i have also some of them break easily and they would open Mm. it every single time and just go through my tools and just dump everything back in Oh, and then close the door and that drove it like I would open it and you would see that sticker and I would put that sticker away and like everything was just laying in like in a chaos in there. So at one point I just started putting my dirty underwear that I was wearing during the jobs <laughs> on top <laughs> of the stuff in my toolbox. And guess what? Did they never went through my stuff again. Oh, they would nice. open it, see it, get you know, like, what the... <laughs> and close it because that was my little fuck you to them basically for... I, I- yeah. I have I heard a very good tip when it comes to traveling with sensitive equipment. Mm-hmm. And that is to it, it it's a little bit complicated. But if you get like a signal gun mm-hmm. and you get a license for it and travel license it, it is a gun. Even though it's one that's fairly easy to obtain and you don't need much of a hassle to get a hold of. But just to have that gun and you keep it on top in front of whatever flight case you're using the whole luggage will be treated treated differently. It will be treated yeah, but as it's it is. not in the them. US. Like I, I never found no. a place that sold a flare gun. I found like thousands, like you could go into a Walmart and buy a shotgun. I mean, we're talking yeah. about the US and that's their big, gun maybe laws. Maybe that's more of an European thing. That's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be that would be there. European because in the US, just yeah. just just go just put an axe in the middle of your luggage and with the x-ray they will which, see the brings, which brings me to my second story <laughs> <laughs> which segue is beautiful exactly um i was working in and i think i was working in texas at the time and i uh just installed a machine and i did some final adjustment and it was basically one of those rush jobs like from the factory directly to the airport to catch the flight to the next one and i remember specifically mm. the flight going through o'hare so i had a double connector like I, i'm not sure from texas to someplace else over to o'hare to my final destination so i land in o'hare and o'hare is like that uh, chicago o'hare airport is that wonderful thing where Whenever you land from 
one part in the US, you basically have to walk through the whole airport to get to your next gate. Mm-hmm. I, I think they just have fun doing it, like planning flights by, oh yeah, we're just going to have him land in the one point and then leave the other one. And we're going to give him like 15 minutes to change planes. Oh, mm. So it yeah. was one of those. So I'm running with my back, like I had my shoulder back and all my other stuff was checked in. What I forgot was, or let's put it the other way, I tell you what I did. So looking for my ticket, I'm grabbing in my back and I feel something in the bottom of it and I pull it out and it's a screwdriver. But it's not a small screwdriver. It's one of those which you use like kind of as a pry bar to put away that stuff. (laughs) So it's about probably like the 12 inches to 20 inches long with like that sharpened tip in the front because I've been prying so many stuff with it it's like half broken off and like really pointy <laughs> and that big handle so because i'm searching it and i pull it out and i look at it and i look around me and nobody recognizes it <laughs> and i just throw it into the next trash can i went through two securities before that yeah and through the x-ray wow. machines and they did not get it like they did not see it i would have been in a heap of trouble <laughs> If they would have found that in my bag. And after they mess with me for a Zippo, I mean, come on. Exactly, guys. yeah. And that, that thing is like dagger size. <laughs> Just going through, it's like, okay, that 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 was interesting. Yeah. So and that, that was my um, security reasons could be really random. And depending on how uh, motivated the people are, at working at the x-ray machines if yeah, actually would sure. go through and i saw like uh there was a huge thing in germany where like they found out a little child was running away from the parents and they the child ran through security mm-hmm. and nobody reckoned like nobody realized it wow so they were basically catching the child at the gates but nobody could explain how the child made it without a ticket through security like over there That's so that crazy. was a whole security issue in germany you don't even know how many times that happened in the US. That's crazy. Like even there where they like high security and everything. It happened so many times to me where like a flight attendant or even someone from TSA would say, please sir, go this direction. But because they, everybody was hecticing, they wouldn't scan my ticket. So I would be at the gate and they thought they wanted to close the gate because they thought I never arrived. And then they checked in and it's like, oh, you never went through security. I'm like, well, I did. I just got routed around it. But because of that, like initial security gate, there was my ticket wasn't scanned. Wow. There, there were some issues with that. So it 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 happens sometimes, not not a lot though. Question. Yeah. After mm-hmm. you you just said that you had like 46 flights every week or something? No, like? four, four, four to six flights. Ah, four to six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's that's but already a lot. Week. Do, do yeah. you have a pro tip? for people traveling, like something that you need to do or something that will make your life yes, easier. Yes, prepare your shit before you go through security. <laughs> or <laughs> I strangle that person in front of me. Like people that go and they start selecting and they're pulling out like single water bottles or like their hairspray can separate it. Like keep all your belongings together in that allowance bag that you have. Pull out your electronics, remove your belt. That You can do that when you're in line. And don't break it? Yeah, that yeah, it's, it's one of yeah. the positive things. But no, it, it is so easy to kind of like prepare yourself for travel. This is why I will always take a line with like 20 people in suits before you. I will take that line. And if there's, sorry for the like 
yeah, exaggeration, but like one old lady in the other lane, mm. I gladly take the one with the 20 suits. Yeah. Because yeah. you can they see them, like you, they, they walk, yeah, and you see they have their laptop, like their notebook already in their hand, mm. together with like the cell phone and the tickets, like everything in one stack, and they just yeah. put it in, and you're like, oh, thank God they know yeah. what they're doing. I mean, I mean, depending on how you're traveling, a, a tip I picked up on really easily, really early, is mm -hmm. like empty all your packets into your backpack. Yes. Then dump the backpack yes. on top, and then you can just grab grab that and go, and you can restuff yeah. your pockets afterwards. Exactly. Or do it in a jacket or whatever. But uh, like, the, what takes time is getting everything in and out of your pockets. Of course, exactly. if you're traveling with toiletries and miniature bottles and all of that as well, then stuffing those beforehand and packaging those beforehand, mm -hmm. you sort of have to do that to not get murdered by people like Jan. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and believe me, after like um, freaking. 10 hour 12 hour working day in front of another or you're already two or two flights like having to mm. go through another one that week and having somebody in front of you that goes like well mm, yeah but what, what you're saying i can't take that water bottle with me why can't i take that water bottle in me like don't start and, and that's one like a pro tip not just because of me but never start a discussion about mm. like drinks or water bottles yeah. with tsa yeah because that's how you get them pissed really fast. Yeah. Like really yeah. fast. What you can't do is say, can I drink it now? Yeah. That's of course. Fine. That's no, fine. they're gonna they're gonna offer you that yeah. usually. Like well, you can't take it through, you can drink it now. Like and they even tell you it's like, well, we have a drinking water found in there. You can empty it here and you can fill it up back inside. Mm. There's still yeah. like people that are having discussions about it, and I just like, yeah, because that ever worked. Yeah, but it's it's been 10 years now since the new regulation for the water bottle and uh, toothpaste and oh, it's been way longer than that. It, isn't it since 9/11? Yeah, yeah, I saw it's, it's, it's since 9/11. That's 20 years, Red. That's 20 oh, damn, years. I'm getting old. 20 years, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's been 20 years. Yeah. So if people don't know yet uh, that they have to to do all that stuff. Oh, and it's not like they're like 20 signs before security, like telling and you to. Yeah, all the signs and, yeah. and the trash trash beans and yeah, so. Yeah. No, um, it's like if it if it goes to like um, giving advice to people to travel, like frequent tra travelers are, they basically know, they learn it over some time. No, just uh, keep your stuff organized and makes it easier for you, uh, especially like if you get special take a comfortable backpack on one you know or a handbag if, if you prefer that and just see that you have different departments for your electronics for the stuff that you mm. carry with me um or uh, carry with you the other thing is is when you're traveling the second you walk through that gate it is not in your control anymore like when you arrive there, if it's on time, if you're going to catch the flight, there are people getting worked up. I had a lot of colleagues working as service technicians that were on basically medication because they were high blood pressure and they would constantly like start picking fights with the personnel at the airports because they were so mm. frustrated because of a delayed flight, a canceled flight. Mm. Like there's nothing that people can do about it. It's basically you walk through there and mm. you just hope that your flight is going to be on time. Yeah.
and uh, you're not going to spend another night at a bench at the airport waiting for another flight that goes the next morning. That's why you start booking your flights in the middle of the day because you don't want to get, like, you never want to book the last flight, especially not if you're going through O'Hare or something like that because there's a good percentage. I'm annoyed now. You missed an excellent movie reference. The Terminal. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It. I mean, it's not O'Hare, it's LAX, I think it's take place in. Mm-hmm. No, it's in but New it's, York. Yeah. He wants Someone to go who... out of, in New York, in the, the, the jazz club of New York oh. for his father. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, sorry. But it's still, it's someone oh, yeah, who literally gets stuck JFK. at an airport because he can't leave and he can't go back. And it's mm-hmm. a very nice story. So you, you had a reference there. You... <sighs> <laughs> I don't need a reference. I watched the movie and I was really, really shocked by it because it hit home pretty fast. The same was the um, what was it um, up up in the air, I believe, with uh, the frequent flyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... yeah. I could not like there were people like laughing about it. Some of the quotes I watched that movie, I could not laugh about a single thing in there because that was like the hitting home too hard, <laughs> like way too hard, with the whole. Um, Basically, well, I don't need to grab lunch because I can have it at the airport because I got like, I had from four airlines, I had the almost highest um, club memberships because just of the amount I was flying. Mm. Um, I never used any of the mileage to actually fly or get myself a ticket to fly somewhere privately because I was just so happy if I didn't have to fly. Like I would love to stay at home. So what I did, I got for my family, I got flight tickets from my bonus miles. And that that is just one of the happiest days I ever had was the point when all my uh, club cards, membership cards, the mileage they expired because I haven't flown in so long. That was one of the nicest things because like for other people was like, oh no, you lost your status. I'm like, yes, yes. I lost my status. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't have to fly anymore. That's nice. Because that that's a that's an interesting mentality and it makes perfect sense co- knowing where you come from with yeah. all of that travel you did and i still I don't but also it's like for most people like having all of those benefits is what some what a lot of people want but of course no one wants to spend that much time traveling and in airports exactly yeah, it did um it gets old and it loses the magic if you fly more than you use like the bus then it gets mm. to the point where you should think about it like if it's what you want to do till the end of yeah. your days or like uh yeah. till your retirement yeah um i still I, I enjoy now enjoy it like because for me now flying again is for going on vacation mm. and not for business because i don't have to fly for business much anymore so um it has a little bit of the magic back and i really enjoy it and like i actually get excited again but still i have that routine like it's like mm. muscle memory going into mm. tsa going into airport like it's just all automated but, so- <laughs> Uh, I have one last story about traveling mm-hmm. that I can share, possibly two. But of course. Uh, just a question. Uh, when did that shift happen for you? When did flying became a leisure thing again? That was after I, I was still working as a service technician. Uh, no, I was actually already working in sales um, since I didn't have to travel for business anymore. Was it and overnight then- almost? No, I think I realized, I think in between flights was almost a year. Like I didn't Mm. fly for a year. And after that year, when there was a flight and it was for leisure, that was when I realized it. 
Yeah. I, I would say yeah. that's fairly quick. That, that's a fairly quick change of mind about the whole situation. Yeah, because the whole situation around me, I moved back to Germany. Like there, there were a lot of changes in my life. Mm. So I was not at the same spot anymore. It was not like I was sitting at home and um, like not doing anything. Uh, it was actually, I, I, I flew, I, I moved, I changed countries. I didn't fly for a year. And when I got on the plane again, then it felt like, oh, yeah. wow, this is actually enjoyable again. So, so, so your entire life basically changed. It wasn't just the flying bit of the job. No, no, yeah. there were a lot of factors around yeah. it. Yeah. That, 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 so then, I think this is like that, just seeing it from a different perspective. Yeah. Then that makes a lot more sense. The, the first time you took the plane again, was it to go back to the United States or to go somewhere else? No, I believe it was for um, my employee um, at the time. And it was, wait, was, was it for, no, it was uh, to Berlin. It was on vacation to Berlin, like a short flight. Yeah. And it was the first time with my now wife that we went on on a vacation together and it was to Berlin and we flew to Berlin because that was the time where like tickets were incredibly cheap and we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't think about it. So it was exciting. It was like, especially for her, like flying yeah. up there because she didn't fly at all before that. She maybe had like a couple of flights. Mm hmm. Before because that. I, I'm, I'm just asking because when I used to do the the back and forth between France and Japan, mm -hmm. it was like between 11 or 12 hours flights and, mm -hmm. and at least 20 years. So it was like not not for leisure. It was like 24 hour travel door to door. So one full day of traveling, it was exhausting. Yep. And even if I was happy mm. to see the family and friends, it was really exhausting to to do that uh, at least once or twice a year. And so when we stopped doing that and, and took the plane for the first time again, it was to go to Megastron Travel. So it was to go to England and it was fun again. Mm. It was yeah. shorter flights. It was to see people again, discover new stuff. It was not just um changing the country or going back home it was all new all discovery it was yeah new adventure uh mm -hmm. so to speak so it was fun again yeah so yeah that was more yeah asked Christmas, last story about travel yeah so four years ago the scouts in norway arranged a jamboree big big scout camp up north in norway uh in Boulder. and a couple of friends and me we traveled up I think four times, or we flew up maybe three times the the months beforehand to help clear out and build the camp and make everything ready before we started on the two-week construction mm -hmm. camp. Uh, for the construction camp itself, we drove up and I have uh, we, we brought a tent that spanned two stories. We had proper beds and drawers and dressers for all of us. We had a TV and we had fiber optic internet into our tent. I mean... It was glamping in every sense of the word, except the only thing we planned for was that, oh, we wanted a living room and sleeping quarters on top. I have a small video on, of that on YouTube, which I think is kind of cool. Um, but for the flying up there, we brought power tools, or my mates did, because they, they have the power tools. Uh, and on one occasion, this might have been the first time they needed to bring the power tools. They had like one big bag full of power tools, including a radio, which they had turned off and taken the battery out of. Mm -hmm. Except while being manhandled from we checked them in, 
and until they got on the plane, somehow the battery reinstated itself and the radio turned itself oh. on. Interesting. So as so as we are boarding, we ba- literally take the first steps out to the gangplank or the the, the pathway out to the plane, and we I, out of the corner of my eye, I see someone pushing like a small dolly with a suitcase on it up and to the board uh, the check-in area of the boarding gate and we start to hear music playing like who let the dogs out or <laughs> something silly and i just literally have one of those steps where I just freeze with the foot in the air and leaning backwards <laughs> looking at it and i shout for thomas who i think was the backpack who this was and it's like come come here i i think this i think you need to see this and the, the security guy or the, the luggage handler he basically is literally awkward scratching his beard and going so this thing is making noise and we're don't we're not sure if you want that on the so, plane so who <laughs> of you guys is listening to if you like pina colada <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so it's the whole moment of wait a second i was like oh yeah that's mine and he being a little bit awkward because he's not sure how much trouble he's in so he's like i it's it's mine I mean, the luggage strip, you can see the name and I can mm. confirm and all of that. So it's like, can I open it and I can take care of this? Because I know I put the radio in there, but I know it's all supposed to be off and the battery out. But you're also not just allowed technically to travel with the battery separate from power tools. So it's a big weird thing going on there. So he opens it up like it's the radio playing. He turns the volume first up because he turns the wrong way. <laughs> of course <laughs> he did. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, and then then he turns it off and he pushes all the buttons to make sure that it's, there's no way it actually can make noise anymore. And then he takes the battery out and pushes next to it. So it's like, okay, it's dead. Yeah. Can we can we go now? <laughs> <laughs> and and that, that was fine. It was sort of like that's an that's an interesting moment when flying. And uh, my, my two mates that I f- flew with then they they have not been flying all that much. Uh, I I mean I, I, not not none of us can compare to you, Jan. But I grew up flying a going abroad on vacation at least once a year yeah every single year since i was two years old which also goes to the whole thing of me never remembering to learn english is just something i was exposed mm. to compare in addition to my dad working in banking and international banking or scandinavian banking and talking a lot of english mm-hmm. at home on the phone i remember a few moments of that rather distinctly so like for me traveling is I mean, it's really exciting when you're late for your flight, like today. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, it's like no, I, it's like taking the train or a bus. It's yeah, like it, it just happens. You just go through the yeah. yeah, you just go through the routine and you end up at a different exactly. place. Exactly. Uh, but for them, it was like they haven't done all of that so much. I, I don't know how many years in between each time it's been for them. Or yeah. When in their travel plans this was compared to last time they traveled and all of that, so it's like I can see on them that they were a little bit angsty going into the airport, sort of just not knowing where how things work and what to do. Uh, but yeah, that, that was to me that was hilarious because I knew there's no really not really a problem. I know what the problem is in there, and I know that it's not really something that bothers the security guys. It's just. This, this suitcase is singing, <laughs> and we don't think singing suitcases should be yeah. in an airplane. Unexplained. Either there's a radio that switched itself on, or somebody had Rupert Holmes locked up in that bag. Yeah. Any last stories, or moving on to? I, I, I'm trying yeah. to remember a word that's not spiffing. Sh- def- what, uh, what, what are we focused on? Yeah. <laughs> 
what what yeah what, what do you say like what's our focus what's been yeah. our focus mm -hmm. this week yeah are you asking Red. <laughs> yes As you, you you are he's like i can see him staring on the timeline like oh what did i watch which is actually not a bad idea i should do the same <laughs> so when you guys search for what i i can start if you need uh, to look yeah it up. go for it yeah, let me just double check what. So why you guys uh, <laughs> dandles? <laughs> no, no, I just need to double check what dandles, uh, bevel. Yeah, okay. So I have three spiffs because I'm never able to only spiff one. Apparently, first off is of course James of Molten Make on Instagram, yeah. who just got married yeah. to Naomi. Yeah. Uh, Amazing wedding, absolutely amazing wedding. Not only because I'm a scout and I like fire things, but also it introduced axes and workshops. So it's like this is sublime. <laughs> this is the perfect thing. Uh, but also uh, Dan or Dandles, as he often got called, because he worked at Yandles and he's called Dan. And Steve has a funny thing with names. Uh, so Dan got two Instagrams: his personal slash YouTube account, which is Wonky Workshop wonky underscore workshop and his new business that he's trying to start up being transitioning to being self-employed uh which is bevelwood uk in one word which is all about handmade or hadn't turned wooden implement or eating implements he makes some truly amazing looking food stuffs food eating stuffs and he's a really nice guy as I said, not only because he f he's f he was feeding me, but really, really good guy to talk to. A proper spiff, though, in relation to all of this traveling stuff, is a podcast that is called How to Fuck Up an Airport. <laughs> I think Jan immediately <laughs> knows the airport I'm talking about outside of Berlin. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, this it is, it's, it's like um, a short... It's a limited run one season podcast so it's it's a radio project that got turned into a podcast it's a limited episodes and it's all about the building of an, the new airport outside of berlin that they have been building for the last 20 something years oh yeah 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 and just one could oh oh my god yeah <laughs> oh, that yeah. gets me worked so, up angry yeah <laughs> if you ever wonder where your tax money went it's either there yeah or our train station in Stuttgart. <clears throat> Let's not talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a, that sounds like a story in itself. Um, but like to tease the podcast or this story a little bit. Uh, one thing is it's really hilarious when the Germans utterly fuck up something when it comes to organizing, because it doesn't happen normally. <laughs> I can send you a list. We have we have we have a list for it, like the top the, the, like the top like yearly top fuck ups from the German government on wasting tax money. There's an official list and like how much money they bury. <laughs> you Germans are so organized. You organize your unorganized fuck ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like at least we're on a list. Like at least we made the top of the list. Like that's a good thing to <laughs> achieve. But okay, this airport. I've been building it forever. It's it now opened. But the problem probably is, and there's a lot of organizational problems that happened. But and I I don't remember all of this, but there's so many mad details to this. But to, to 
give like one good tip or fact of where to start they hired an architect who hates shops at airports he wanted airports to be quick easy and efficient you go in you take a flight and that's it now the problem with that is that airports only make their money from the shops or renting out shop space they they break even on renting out the actual tarmac for planes so when they realized that the architect they hired hadn't put in room for any shops, they decided to scale up the entire airport by 30%. And if you know anything about maths and physics, you realize that when you scale something with volume to be exponentially a certain percentage bigger, it gets cubed, not squared. Yeah. And then you end up with a problem of, oh, the span from one wall to another is now so big that the steel they have accounted for is too small to actually bear the weight of the room. And of course, because the volume of air inside is so much bigger, the fans they structured to hang up there also is undersized. And when they scale up the size of the fans, they need even bigger beams to carry all of it. And with the scaling up on the, of the entire airport, everything else gets fucked up because the relationship between them and the logistics of just how people move into the airport, check their luggage, how the luggage is handled, how they move through security and how everything sort of meets up where it's supposed to be. It's a really, really fascinating logistical puzzle. And there's plenty of YouTube videos on that subject, which I may or may not have watched too many of. (laughs) Uh, But like... You have some politician who just says, oh, but let's just scale it up by 30% because then we have room for plenty of shops. And then the whole building suddenly looks like it's about to collapse on itself. And this is what I talk about in one of the, I think, seven episodes of this podcast. There's so many fuck-ups that goes on and it's such a big money hole for the German government. Fire hazard, um, then there's uh, the TVs, they installed TV walls and all the display TVs mm. that never worked. And when they actually started to fire them up after I don't know how many years, half of them already broke because they were standing for too long. Yeah. Uh, or I, I think they were running them. Like even when they were closed, they were just like testing them the whole time. So they were burned out and they couldn't get replacement because they were already discontinued because, hey, it took them like, I don't know how many years to yeah. build an airport. There's like endless stories going around that. Yeah, it's it's been a money grave. And then there's the tunnels that the new train had to go through that because they don't normally run train through them, they realized it's growing mold in the tunnel and it will be a health hazard to send anyone through there. So to recirculate the air, they're just sending trains through back and forth a couple of times a night just to circulate the air in the tunnel of the train going to the airport. <laughs> there's there's links to all of these things uh, in, in the notes. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you enjoy listening to German people fail at what they're supposed to do, that's that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Which brings me to my focus. <laughs> yes, yeah, by all means. If you want to see a German who doesn't fail at anything, or like, no, Mandy, uh, it's going to be something completely different this time. Uh, the guy's called Pete Complete. 
and, and he's a let's player. And there might be some of the viewers that actually enjoy watching other people play computer games. <laughs> um, I sometimes have a little bit of an issue with it because I, well, for once I'm lazy and I don't own a lot of the computer games. So sometimes it's nice to see somebody else play it just for me to decide if I like it or not. That guy is actually genius in the way he is, I think his real job is a teacher. And Pete Complete is exactly what he's doing. He's playing like XCOM, like tactical games or um, story games like Mass Effect, the complete franchise. And he does them at 100%, like flawless. Okay. While explaining Platinum, it, he, all, achievements. Um, all the achievements like for the games um, or set achievements, Ooh. he determines at the beginning of it. And what is really nice, he actually does a ton of work um, for them because he actually records it. There's some cuts he does for some of the games, uh, but mainly like the uh, Mass Effect ones, he, it's like showing completely, but he does a complete voiceover over it. And he explains Ooh. every single one and like all the side missions for those. Uh, he's a RimWorld episode where he sets the goals at the beginning of the RimWorld episode and then he starts playing it. So it's it's like it's really enjoyable to watch. I I found that channel like a long time ago when he I think he was like at twenty thousand subscribers. He's over a hundred k now within like less Ooh, than half a year. Nice. And that's just because he's uh, really humble. He's really good at what he does. Um, he's and he's really calm by it. Like he you won't have him like yelling into the microphone or anything. He does like that teacher graduate like. Uh, yeah, really down-to-earth, exp explanatory, um, what he's doing. He puts a little bit of story behind it. Um, so, yeah, that, that is fine. Any specific game series of his people should check out? The RimWorld are hilarious. Um, if you are a fan of the um, Mass Effect franchise, or if you're not planning on playing the Mass Effect franchise, but you're still interested in the story, uh, really definitive for um watch this one like the mass effect ones are really good mm -hmm. um other than that let me check if there's anything honest but um i really enjoyed the xcom 2 like the the xcom series took him yep. a long time to complete too like with all the achievement and oh he's playing it like everything on the hardest difficulty no oh. like we're talking about um like the the xcom he's playing on impossible iron man walkthrough with all achievements. Wow. Like it's insane, like the amount of oh, tactics, but he doesn't bore you with like an hour, like trying different missions for an hour. Like he will show you the perfect mission step by step. Hmm. And he okay. does all of his videos so people can play along with him. Right, okay. So, so it's not this minute for minute slow TV channel no not it's at all mostly highlights no no it's not the highlights it's like the whole missions like he's like the xcom if you look at it um the, yeah, I, I mean it is edited down to be easier to consume exactly yes yeah, you still okay. get the whole mission but you just got to try like he even says like he has to reload some of that stuff or like basically repeat the mission to to get that result he wants but he will show you that mission where it works like 100 percent hmm. Very, very cool. Red. Uh, yeah, something completely unrelated to the podcast, what we have said or anything, basically. Um, I have not been sleeping 
a lot uh, this week, so uh, I have watched a lot of Netflix stuff. Uh, and when it comes to new TV shows or movies, I'm very curious about practically anything just to find something, a perks, something very interesting or new to me that I, I didn't know about. Um, and this week I tried something called Formula One Drive to Survive. Ooh. And I believe it has been um, mentioned in another podcast, but I don't remember uh, who uh, mentioned it. Uh, anyway, it's a series of uh, documentary about uh, Formula One. Uh, it's uh, there is three seasons of ten episodes. Each episode is about forty minutes, and it's about the all that happened in. Um, off camera or on camera for the Formula One season. So all the backstory of the backstories of the driver, everything that happens uh, in the stands or uh, uh, when the camera are not rolling, uh, why and how a, a, a crash is dealt with, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's kind of analyzing the crashes. No, and... not really, but just uh, yeah, okay. It, it, the, the crash happened because they rushed the prep of the car, and then the guy gets uh, injured, and he was angry because the crash was caused by his um, the other driver of the same. Um, Team? The team colleague. Team, yeah. Um, okay. So, so there is all the drama. Obviously, it's it's, uh, um, but it's really well made. It's it's not excessive on on the on the um, uh, drama aspect of everything. It's just presented and very well filmed. The editing is absolutely wonderful. Um, so just from an aesthetic point of view, it's really interesting. And if you are like me uh, and you don't understand or you don't like Formula One, it's still very interesting because, um, again, aesthetically wonderful uh, and, and you can just understand that it's not a race. There is a lot more to it than just people driving like crazy on uh powerful cars um i'm not sure if you even know there was an italian driver years ago that was called the butterfly or something i don't i don't know he would died in some crash but he i there was a documentary about him that was really fascinating me some years back just in the reign of formula one where he would on purpose he would go and he would push the other drivers to their limit okay just to see when they would break and he would even crash them if they didn't give just to show that he was willing to if they didn't fault or pull out before him uh-huh well it seemed to work perfectly for him huh? up, up until he didn't uh <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh yeah let me check because i um it's K kimi raikkonen could be italian guy maybe he died in the uh, 70s Oh no no he did no no sorry uh, no, I, 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 I don't think he died okay okay no 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 rest me I got very much alive and one of the greatest driver and I like the guy because he, yeah his, his his nickname is the the Iceman and watching him doing an interview after the race is just hilarious uh, because he he doesn't comply <laughs> to all the stupid question from the journalist 
So, for example, mm. in the show uh, Drive to Survive, uh, you can see him just a little bit uh, being asked, uh, why are you switching team? Why are you going from this uh, team to this one? And his answer why, was, why not? <laughs> and that's it. And 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 that's that that was that was great. Um, so no, but his his house is called Butterfly. Okay. Um, so that that's why I got confused because I. Yeah. yeah. So I I believe it was a Formula One driver that was Italian who got the nickname the Butterfly. Okay. Because of the way he had some, like intuitive knowledge, or intuitive understanding of where on the the road he would get the most grip. Okay. So he would constantly be fluttering back and forth in the lane mm-hmm. to actually use the best bit of the tarmac and things like that. I'm sure it's not Mohamed Ali. You said like drive like a butterfly and crash like a bee. <laughs> or... <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I have one last thing just because I remembered at the end. Uh, Dan showed me two things that I think everyone need to watch. First is the movie Chef with John Favreau, yeah, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen it before, and it's an amazing, f- f- like foodie feel yeah, good movie. That one's good. The other is the various Netflix shows that also has called Chef various things, where you have basically a one-hour documentary about Michelin star restaurant cooks chefs about their story how they got to the restaurant and all of that which also is really fascinating stories about really fascinating people including a guy who starts like a cold open to his interview and he just says so this one guy this one time i took a load of acid (laughs) (laughs) that's a great intro (laughs) and that's the beginning to the interview and that's that's like it's, it's a bit of an extreme and of sort of the interview but that sort of also puts the the tone of how they do this okay. it's, of course it's netflix so they have a lot more creative freedom than what you would normally see yeah. on telly yeah and i think they based on the few things that dan showed me in the episode we watched fully it seems like they're really able to utilize the freedom that netflix gives them in these programs yeah and Rasmus, if you enjoyed that with the chefs and everything, uh, I hope you've read or listened to uh, Kitchen Confidential, Anthony no. Bourdain. No, I'm not. I've not heard of that. A must. It's a must. Either read or even better, uh, do the audio book because it is actually read by Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, yeah. I just and it's phenomenal. Like it's so much. It's basically his life story up to a certain point. And it's a TV series. Um, is yes, yeah, that's unrelated. Well, it is some somewhat related. Um, okay. It's uh, it's on top. Like after that book, I think he did a, like a mini series on that one. Yeah, two thousand five, two thousand six. It says. Yeah. Okay. No, it- and um, do do the audio book, and then um, all all of his other stuff, like the travel documentary he did for the different channels, are also great. Because I'm a- I- okay, no more mentioning of movies or food, or we'll turn into fools with tools podcast. <laughs> said, said the one that called spiffing or says spiffing all the time <laughs> shut up I'm working on it okay any any last bits of things or should we round it up round it off no we can we can I think wrap it yes yeah we've traveled far beyond our one hour goal today yeah that's good yeah 
So you can find me at Rasmus Lewin everywhere on all the social things. You can find Red at the Redsmith on all the social things. And Jan at the Nerd Inventor. And you can find the podcast at Two Thirds Focused. All the things where you would like to reach us, including Patreon. Yeah. And Gmail and Facebook, Instagram. The whole shebang. And SoundCloud and everywhere. Yes. Thank you all very much for, for listening. Not watching, listening. I'm tired. Listening. Maybe at one point watching. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. And when my connection is better. Did exactly. you get fiber already? I should have gotten it today, but long story. So, fall. Okay. Okay. Because your, 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 your thing seemed less potatoey today. Yeah. But no. No. Okay. So, yeah. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Bye, guys.